Welcome to Cinemaholics, where we usually talk about the biggest and best films coming to theaters and streaming online, but today we're looking at a new animated comic book series that just landed on Amazon Prime Video. I'm John Negroni, and joining me for a conversation about Robert Kirkman's Invincible is Mekishana Pierre. Mekishana, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm good. It's Friday, so I'm feeling fantastic. <laughs> That's right. Ready to clock out. But first, got to talk about the latest superhero thing, as it <laughs> tends to happen on Fridays, apparently. So, uh, Invincible, it's the latest in what's been kind of a pretty consistent stream of superhero entertainment. We've really gotten in just like the last month. We recently saw the finale of WandaVision. There was Zack Snyder's Justice League. We're two episodes into the next Marvel show, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Meggie Shana, uh, it feels like we went a decent period of time with only maybe occasional new superhero movies and shows over 2020 because of delays and COVID stuff. But we did get The Boys on Amazon. We got Wonder Woman 1984, of course. Mm. But I don't know. I feel like it's a little less than usual. What do you think? I think, I mean, obviously because COVID, it feels like we're getting everything all at once. And it's like hitting us wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, in the face. But I'm actually like really happy about it because one, it gives us something to watch um, when like regular TV is just kicking back in. And also like, it's not all the same. You know what I mean? Like we usually get the kind of Marvel DC movies that are still along the same strains of what we're used to, but the new stories that are coming out are like so much more in depth and I'm so into them. Yeah. Same here. I definitely, when I was watching Invincible, I was like, yeah, this, this does feel very different from what I've seen before. So let's talk about it. It is an animated show that at first glance, it kind of looks like it might fit in the same animation styles, maybe young justice from DC, Mm -hmm. but also it's kind of got the tone of like a Spider-Man show, but then it gets really dark and it gets really (laughs) bloody and really violent. It definitely starts to feel more of like a Robert Kirkman creation. Uh, He's Mm -hmm. of course best known for making the walking dead. This is coming from his production company skybound. Now, before we start our review of invincible, let's listen to a little bit from the trailer come on knock it off todd i think amber's been pretty clear about how she feels i'm nothing like my dad i want to be just like you i fought to keep this planet safe your power's got to be due any day now son Morning. I'm scared, Dad. What if I can't do this? Follow me. Slow down. Land. I said land. Stop. Get up. I'm actually getting used to this a little. That's not good. You need to be better. After everything he's done, how can I live up to all that? You need to decide what kind of hero you want to be. So, Meki Shana, did you have, did you read the comic or anything for Invincible before you saw the show? So I feel like I, I mean, I say I feel like, but I remember reading like one or two issues way back in the day, like, cause it came out when I was like 12 and obviously my parents were not buying me that those issues, but, um, I do believe I've, I read like two issues way back in the day and it was a little much for me back then. So I was like, I'm okay. Thanks. Um, so this is like <laughs> yeah. a revisiting, but also like uh, a reintroduction for me. Cause I did not remember all this. <laughs> Right on. I remember when it was coming out because, yeah, I think we were around the same age. So I was like in middle school 
and people were like reading it and everything, but I never got into it. I read the free sample after I watched the show because I was like, I wonder how different it is. And it is very different. It's like the comic takes a lot longer to get to what the first couple of episodes get into, which, mm-hmm. of course, we won't give anything away because, <laughs> I, yeah, one of the main things about the show is like every episode has a big old what WTF moment, a big old revelation. So we'll, of course, keep things spoiler free here. But yeah, getting into the story, I wouldn't say that the coming of age stuff is very original or striking as it begins, right? We Mm -hmm. we follow Mark Grayson, voiced by Stephen Yun, who is 17 years old in this. He's a son of a human mother, voiced by Sandra Oh, and an alien superhero father, voiced by J.K. Simmons, who's known as Omni-Man. He's basically this world's version of Superman. And the show, I the thing I was thinking of when I when it was starting, I was like, this is kind of like Sky High, you know. He's waiting for his powers <laughs> to kick in. There's some other teen superheroes in the mix. They're a little ahead of him and all of that. Uh, but sure enough, he does get his powers. The story really kicks off. He starts training. His dad has like a tough love approach to getting his son to be a bit more powerful. What, what did you think of like the first episode and how it sort of sets things up? So first of all, a stellar Sky High reference. I wholeheartedly approve that. Um, and de- <laughs> I felt the same. I I love delving into like the younger mindset when it comes to heroes because they're dealing with all the angst where everything feels like it could be the end of the world. But when they're supers, it actually could be the end of the world. So I, I love that coming of age when it's with the younger crowd. But also, I... I did not expect him to get his powers that soon. I thought we were going to wait. I thought we were going to take a little while. And it was like, bam, wham, he's super. I was like, oh, oh, okay, this is not a joke. He is actually powerful now. Okay, cool. Um, I think his relationship with his father was very interesting to watch uh, because the dynamic is so fascinating because you get that loving father. But he's also really like a hard ass. Like he's so mean a little like maybe this is coming from me who's like the middle child and so all i want my affection to be perfection like i want everyone to dote on me but he was a hard ass like from the beginning and i was surprised um and i was like is no one going is his mom not going to check him because he just like threw your kid halfway across the place but um, i liked it i loved it i was hooked from the instant I did like how the mom even gets like a little bit of a story arc there where she was just like, yeah, I don't have powers, but you know, I still am your mom. <laughs> like you mm-hmm. still have to do what I say and stuff like that. And she handles a lot. She handles this all with a lot of depth, but you get the idea that like this, this, none of this is new for her. They, they treat superpowers very casually in this world, mm-hmm. particularly with this family. It's like, Oh, he's going to be gone, you know, in another dimension, he's going to be late for dinner. Like so nonchalant about it, which is fun. You know, that's just a fun little quirk. And uh, I guess like people will watch it and be like, oh, that's cool. I wonder what it would be like if if I had superpowers or I was in this situation. But yeah, so like we said, we have the first three episodes of the show. You can watch them right now on Amazon Prime Video, uh, avoiding some of the big revelations, uh, broadly speaking. I definitely want to say, I mean, this is a show with a lot of surprises in store. Even if you've Mm -hmm. read the comic, like we said, even if you have like a basic idea of where this is all going, it does feel like they're departing in some key ways based on what I've looked into. So Maggie Shauna, where do you think this show, talking about all three episodes, where do you think this show works the best? And where do you think it might fall short? Dang. I Honestly, I think the um, 
it's it, this is the where it works best might also be its downfall for me because I think it has such a stellar cast who is so, it just emotes so perfectly with their um, character voicing like it's so well done I feel like Stephen Yoon is a 17 year old I feel like Sandra Oh is his mother it's just like so perfect they know their cues and they know what they're hitting and it makes me want to learn more about these characters like I really want to delve more into their story just even if it's just hearing them talk some more but I think they just give so much life to the characters but there's also so many characters (laughs) there's a lot lot. (laughs) so it's like i i don't know who they're going to go further into their story with but there's so many people that at some point i was like wait let me who who is this again like i had to like look it up because there are so many people involved throughout the entire three episodes even though you know like you know this is about a certain set of characters story it still felt like there were so many people in every episode that i was like i got lost a little sometimes but they're done so well that i can't be too upset yeah i i I agree so much that it is like a it's it's a great thing in one sense but it's a challenging thing in another there's some characters i love immediately and i i do hope we get a lot more of them there's some other characters i'm kind of warming up to still like uh, the walton goggins plays like the handler guy and he's mm-hmm. he's great obviously but i'm just still kind of like what's what's gonna happen with that i, I don't i'm not fully convinced on that character and where, where he sits and everything uh mm-hmm. but man this voice cast and I, I i do love a lot of these side characters like robot who's voiced by zachary quinto adam eve who's voiced by gillian jacobs uh, and then damien darkblood who i'm trying to remember who voices him i think it's clancy brown yeah. oh my goodness uh th- that, that to me is like the best example of like what makes this universe feel unique because why not just throw hellboy in there you know like <laughs> fun like here's a detective who just you know is totally like subverting the entire story that's the stuff that i i like the most probably oh no i agree i i I like the this word this word diversity of the characters but more so just because they're so different from each and other like they're so there's such a vast range of supers that i would never even think of these powers but they're here like um what what was the little girl's name monster girl yeah monster girl like so and, fun. and then when she talked about her powers in a way that i never even thought would happen she's like every time i use it i get younger i'm like what is what kind of mind f- is that like i loved it so much that's such a like they just uh, i just love everything about it i love the the how many people I, I mean again it's a lot of people but i do love just how different everyone is from the other yeah, there are some characters I don't like at all, but I guess that's just how it is. You know, like Jason Manzoukas <laughs> voices Rexplode, and you're not supposed yeah. to like him. But there were a couple times in the third episode where I'm like, are they try- what are they trying to do with him? And I'm just sort of like, in a show that has such a kill ratio the way it does, mm. like it is a lot like Walking Dead. I was thinking of like Attack on Titan a lot. I was like, man, it just feels like anybody could die at any second. I was like, when is that guy? Die? I felt, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't like him. But yeah, I guess. I, I don't know if you're a fan of Legend of Korra, but my goodness, oh, yes. I have such a hard time not hearing Tenzin and Omni-Man. <laughs> it's, it's a great vocal <laughs> performance, but like, it's, it's kind of like you said, he is like this really foreboding figure and he's supposed to be like gentle, but also strong, which is great voice casting for J.K. Simmons. But at the same time, I'm like, that's Tenzin, you know, like <laughs> I'm just waiting for somebody to clown on him a bit. Oh, I genuinely did not even think of that. Like, 
it did not cross my mind. I think I was way. T- it's been a long time since I've watched Legend of Korra. Like, I will say that. I'm so sorry. I will watch. It I on did Netflix just rewatch again. it. So. <laughs> it's so I didn't think that but like JK's his oh every time he does anything I'm just like yes I want to be in it I want to see it I want it injected into my veins and he's such the perfect voice for Omni-Man not just because he's like the he's just like uh but also just because he he nails that attitude like I genuinely feel like I could see a real Omni-Man with this attitude and have that voice. And it, he nails that, like, as you said, like gentle, but still firm and hard. And he, whenever he switches, it's not as, it doesn't come as a surprise because you know, like his voice will let you know, this is about, to, this is about to go crazy. Hold on to something. And I love that. I love the way he's on a snap and it's just like, yes, Omni-Man. Also, I love the character of Omni-Man which is, I guess, weird, but I do love him. Interesting. I, oh boy, I, I definitely, <laughs> I definitely find his character the most fascinating. He, like there's such a mystique to him. There's clearly something else going on with him and you want to know more about him and how he really fits in the story. So I am, I am hooked on that aspect for sure. And it's funny because you mentioned the way like he switches on a dime, right? That's kind of mm-hmm. the way the show is. Like all of a sudden this show will go from kind of like an earnest, like, you know, oh, is he going to, you know, there's a character named Amber voiced by Zazie Beats, and there's like a kind of, you know, teenage romance thing going on. And you're like, oh, this is fun. You know, he's uh, he's got to got to fight the bad villains and then get back, you know, so he can hang out with his crush, all that typical fun, angsty teen stuff. But then all of a sudden it's like, people getting slaughtered and you know broken in half by 50 caliber machine guns and so do you think this show how, how do you think this show handles that balance I've, I've seen some reviews where people are like I, I can't I can't register with this like it's just too much of a departure and I I'll personally say like I think it's kind of I think a, at least attempting to have a show like this is very valuable because like you said like there isn't a show kind of like this really so that goes this far in both directions but yeah what, what do you think of that balance I I definitely get where people are coming from because I, I have also seen reviews where they're like they don't understand like what the show is trying to be um, which is kind of hard to succinctly nail down but I do think that it makes sense for the show I, in a way, just because in that world, like this is that's how it would happen. Like you could be at at your house, like having a cute little study day with your girlfriend, but aliens are coming through to destroy your city, and it's gonna happen. You you can't predict it. You know what I'm saying? Like I feel like that yeah. quick change makes sense um, in a lot of ways for the show. And do I think they've completely nailed down that switch to the tone? I don't know. I, I don't know if I would say yes, completely. I mean, it's only been three episodes, but sure. I definitely think that I definitely can understand the quick change. You know what I mean? Because like, obviously, if this were real life, that's what would happen. Plausibly, that's what would happen. So the quick change makes sense for me when it comes to those things. But there are also moments where it feels like when two people are having a conversation and the mood changes in the conversation, like most of the time it's with Omni-Man and Invincible, like when, even if he doesn't sense the time change, the the conversation shifting, like the tone shifting, I sense a tone shift and I'm like, should I be on 10? Like, should I be worried? Like, I don't know what's going to happen next and it's scaring me, but then nothing happens. And I'm like, oh, it's just like foreshadowing basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's I think there are moments where it falls a little flat, but I do think I understand why the the tone shifts so quickly. 
It is pretty rewarding on rewatch too, because so I watched the first three episodes like a month and a half ago. So Mm -hmm. I watched it and then I was like, I need to talk to people about this. But people were like, we're not ready to talk to you about it. I'm like, oh, shoot. So I rewatched it this week. And when you remove all that tension of like, what's going to happen next? Is this person going to die? The show still is pretty rich in Mm -hmm. what it's saying. It's themes about like, kind of like you're saying how if this was real life, like if superheroes were a thing, yeah, sure. You would have the the highs of the coming of age and the heart to hearts and how fun it is to be a superhero, the glory of flying through a city and how engaging that is. But there is room still to have like the cynical this is actually traumatizing. Should he even be doing this? I really hope the rest of the season explores more of like what Mark is experiencing here. And they're touching on it a little bit of how like he freezes because he's literally seeing people being blown apart right in front of him. And I hope that they don't just toss that away and Mm -hmm. just like, you know, say, Oh, that's just a commentary for this episode. Everything's fine in the next episode. If it does that, I think that it's really, really going to fall short, for, at least for me. But yeah, I, I think the commentary here is really cool, especially how it compares to The Boys, because that that's also a show that really, really goes far in one direction. And it never really sets up that sort of like it, it's all very, very deeply cynical about the marketability of superheroes when they're really kind of horrific when you think about it. Yeah, I was, there are a lot of, there's been a lot of comparisons with the boys because I think of the gore level very obviously, but I think what Invincible does that the boys isn't trying to do like point blank in the period is it's trying to convey the very human side of um, these heroes, like not so much as the negative human side of people, but just like uh, trying to live a life and uh, while doing this aside from like, cause the boys I feel, as you said, is very cynical. So they're showing us like this this is what happens to people who get a lot of power and a lot of media attention. Whereas Invincible is like, this is what happens when people who are good get power and are trying to do the rights with it. You know, like they're trying to do the right thing with it. Um, and I think what makes Invincible, which <laughs> I say this now, but they have a whole spinoff for the boys with younger people. But uh, I do think the fact that Mark is a teenager also helps um, add to that. And as someone who I truly, truly, truly love when movies and TV shows delve into how messed up being a super can make you, because just all these shows we have show how messed up they should be. And I think Mark is like a great character for that, because obviously he has a mom who's completely normal. And I think she is going to be his kind of anchor to what is calm what is rational and he's going to need her a lot in the in the future i think so i think that's how they'll delve into like how this is turning him out and how this is making him like when he did have that um i don't want to say argument because they didn't really have an argument but when he was back talking his mother and she was like hey cut it out i'm still your mom i think that was a really grounding moment because obviously doing the job of what is a super is going to change him and she's going to be there to be like i know this is heady i know the power is crazy and i know the situations you get into will mess you up i'm your mom i'm your like anchor i'm here to help you you know because his father is obviously like not all the way there emotionally for him the way his mother is. Yeah, the show has a lot of 
potential to explore yes. his motivations for why does he even want to be a superhero in the first place? The first three episodes don't really get into that beyond because he just feels obligated because his dad does it. And I hope the show takes hold of that a bit because that is relatable, right? Like a lot of us kind of look at our parents, they're our first role models, and a lot of the decisions we make as teenagers can be based off of them. But then what does rebellion look like for a character like this? And I hope so much that the the show handles that really well i haven't read that far into the comics or anything so i don't know the bare bones of that plot and even if they would adhere to that at all i i like the mm. idea that they might depart a little bit from the series to offer fans of the comics who might want something a little different since they already know how things turn out that that is the case with walking dead that of course went in a totally different direction <laughs> but uh yeah yeah for better or probably for worse there and i, I do want to think back to to like you know, it was maybe like six or seven years ago. I remember people were saying superhero fatigue was going to hit us pretty hard at eventually, like some point. And I've always found a lot of validity to that. You know, the criticism that this could go the way of the Western. We're going to get so many of these superhero properties. And then the danger is that if they all feel the same, we're just going to reject them and they're going to go down the dustbin. And I, I think what excites me more about shows like this is that. Uh, a lot of what you've already said, just that it is so different and it is like deepening the genre in ways that arguably Westerns had a hard time. Like Westerns did do that eventually, like in the 50s and 60s, they were starting to add more complexity and some of the best Westerns of all time were coming out of the spaghetti Westerns. But what ended up happening is they just weren't able to bring it to the masses and the masses just got interested in something new, the space race. Mm -hmm. And with superhero shows, I'm just curious, like, is this a sign of like that same sort of thing? What what do superhero properties need to do to keep us interested? That that's what I'm asking myself a lot. No, I, I definitely get that, and I think uh, like a sign of them finding out is them delving into all of the shows we're getting now, like WandaVision and um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and The Boys, like just delving into the very different facets of what it would be like to be a super or to live in a world that is comprised of supers. Uh, it also makes me remember that show. Uh, I can't remember what the title was, but it did not last past the season, but it starred Vanessa Hudgens. And it was about like regular people and how they dealt with um, having supers oh, in their life yeah. and like all the accidents and all that. That's, I mean, it did not, obviously it did not last very long, but there, there have been that a few is, shows like that. Yeah, I like that concept, you know, just delving into more than just the big action films and, you know, doing all that. Like, I want to know about life in that world, you know, tell me more about that. Tell me more about the supers um, mental health. Tell me more about their families and how they contend with them being gone for so long and whatnot. Like, I think that the big studios are starting to grasp that there's so much more to delve into when it comes to supers in there and the genre. And I, I'm excited to see what they cook up next. Same here. Hopefully we can have a follow-up chat once the finale of the first season comes on and see what we can talk about maybe a little bit more fully how this this show really makes its mark. It is mm -hmm. going to be eight episodes long and forgot to mention too that uh, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg produced this. I think they also produced The Boys. So I do like how, mm -hmm. you know, the there is like a consistent creative talent in these Amazon shows that, that they are finding ways to like, they're making superhero stuff their own way they're doing it their way and they're not really yeah. relying on uh, existing ip uh, yeah, of course this is existing ip but, you know they're, they're adapting things that people are less familiar with if, if that yes. makes more sense yeah yeah it does they're not doing like the the regular ones that we've always talked about for years exactly 
exactly. So it's exciting stuff. And it's clearly there's a lot of graphic novels and comics and books and stuff yet to be adapted that uh, I would be excited to see. Of course, this is one that's been around for quite a while. So it's, it's kind of a long time coming. But okay, Mekishana, so what, where can people find you if they want to learn more about your takes on the latest film shows and everything in between? Oh my God, yes. Uh, I am on every social platform with the name Mekishana because I like to keep it simple. Um, and you can find me on my website posting all my latest works, mekishanapier.com. All right. And we'll, of course, link to that in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for inviting me. This was so much fun. <laughs> yeah, it was a blast. Uh, pun intended. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our show. Be sure to subscribe to Cinemaholics on your favorite podcast app of choice or find us on YouTube. See you all next time.